Hey, and welcome to 360 Huntington. I'm your host, Blen Wendemu, and today I'll be talking to Nisa Pender. Nisa is a student and self-published poet here at Northeastern. She and I met a few weeks ago during a virtual poetry workshop that she led for the club Sisters in Solidarity. I was really inspired by her and the workshop got me thinking about the role that art plays in activism and black joy, two things I've been thinking a lot about over the last few months. In this episode, we delve into all things creativity, healing, activism, and how all that fits into the resurgence of Black Lives Matter. Just a note that this episode was recorded before election day. Stay tuned for some great conversation and I hope you enjoy. I just wanted to ask to introduce yourself, just like yeah how you want to be introduced yeah um well i usually start off with just my name nisa and my pronouns is she her um it's always funny trying to introduce myself just because there's like you know in a classroom setting you say something different an artist setting you say something different um but i guess here i want to advertise that i am a first-time self-published author of a book entitled uneasy which is Mm -hmm. a post tree and prose collection um and i'm a black creative i think those are my major highlights oh and because it's northeastern related i'm a third year chemi major chemical engineer at northeastern yeah. awesome awesome um okay so i first want to start off so how i'm gonna kind of flow the conversation is like talking about you then talking about mm-hmm. like the poetry scene on campus and then talking about art as a whole not that you like obviously like I don't want to like tokenize you or say that you're speaking for all black creatives because you're obviously no, not. not yeah but it's a testimony it's a story within the whole you know yeah yeah so talking yeah. about how maybe your art or art in general like plays a role in black lives matter and particularly black joy which mm. I think I'm really interested in and I think is really important to be talking about. Yeah. Girl, have you seen my story? It's all I'm about these days. Yeah, like yeah. It's black joy and black joy it's only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first question is just why do you write po- your poetry and mm-hmm. what moved you to publish a book? Yeah. Um, I've been grappling with that question for a while, actually why do I write? Because what I'm realizing is I don't think the writing process in itself gives me joy. Mm. I think it's the impact of what I have to say and seeing other people's responses to it that gives me joy and fuels me to keep writing. Um, To bring it even more specific, I know my grandmother, for example, she, um, on my dad's side of the family, very creative folks. um, And I remember when I was younger, because I've been writing for a while, like, I've been writing since I was four, but, like, seriously, since mm. I was, like, 12, 13, I, I did, like, work with the American Diabetes Association at national conferences to, like, read for their fundraisers and stuff like that. I mean, speak, perform, same thing. Um, and, yeah, and that's when it got serious. But I remember every time I wrote a new poem, it'd just be, like, tradition to call my grandma and to, like, read it to her. And she'd get so emotional because she's like, how do you, like, yeah. How do you know the words to say that? How can you describe what I'm feeling and we're generations apart, you know? Um, and I think that made me excited to like keep writing because I felt like it was a really niche way to be able to connect with people that not everyone can do. And it made me feel special and made me feel needed and necessary, which is something I think as a black feminine person, like I craved as a child, I wanted to be needed and necessary. I saw my mom like as a powerful woman and 
she was needed and she was necessary in the world. And I thought that brought me value. And so, mm. which my ideas have changed about, but um, I think initially and still kind of now, like it, it feels like it gives me purpose to see people's responses to what I have to say. And I know everyone can't do what I do. And so that's why it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So and then also your second question was what led me to, well, yeah, what moved kinda, you? yeah. So I wrote a book because I had a story to tell, like, and I, I, it's actually important to note that I tried to write a book like four times, like actually like a real effort before mm-hmm. I actually published a book. Um, and I still published a book by the age of 19, huge flex period. But it took some time because the problem was I kept trying to tell a story that wasn't mine. And then it was January 1st, 2019. I'm thinking about my resolution as every, you know, 18 year old aspiring person does. And I was like, you know, like everyone's always like, oh, you should write, you should write. And I, I had a mentor at the time, um, like an internet mentor. I, did, I was like a, that's a whole other story. But yeah, where she published a book um, her senior year of high school. And I was like, damn, like I'm a little late. Like maybe not. You know, I feel like I'm over ambitious, but like, I was like, I feel like I could do that. Like, why wouldn't I want to do that? So I was like, you know what? Soft deadline. I could publish a book by next year, Bet I'm going to do it, you know? And then I looked at my poetry and something my mom always encouraged me to do was like, save all your poems, put it in one place, date them, which is going to come to be important as we talk. Like I'll explain that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah. And I just looked back at my little Google drive folder and I was like, you know, like I'm seeing a pattern here. I'm seeing like a bigger picture with like missing puzzle pieces that I could fill in and like, that's something I didn't have the other four times I tried to write a book. I was yeah. starting from scratch. I was starting from, let me make something up in my head and go for it. And it wasn't my story to tell, you know? And what I do you mean by that? Story. What do I when mean by that? When you say it wasn't your story to tell and this one was. Well, I think that's better explained if I talk about what my book is about. So my oh, book yeah, is definitely. about like a singular black feminine experience but one that I feel like is very very relatable um and I I before I don't even remember the type of thing that I tried to write about before I think it was like funnier like you know I was trying to when I'm what I was like 14 I like wanted to write like a you know diary of the wimpy kid vibes like story time like this is my casual day in high school like eh, you know I'm just like that's not me but that's not what I that's not my truth that's not what I actually want to tell. And I finally found in my poems talking about this black feminine experience, which, you know, I didn't even, that wasn't my intention. Like I'm only writing about me being a black woman. That's never, that wasn't what I thought about when I wrote, but I just looked back and I was like, but most of this tells that story. And so yeah. I guess I do have this story to tell and this one's actually mine. And I can, I can do the work and have the stamina to fill in those blanks this time that I didn't before, because it wasn't my story, you know? Um, but yeah, I just felt another thing about it is that I had to be real honest in my book. And it was really scary because I hadn't let the world see all of my poems before. You know, I did spoken word, but I get to choose which poem and how personal. But I knew that like this book is not just a product, but it was a healing process for me. Um, and I wanted it to resonate in that same way to other Black feminine people. And I was like, for it to heal, like, I can't lie. Like, I have to talk about things I don't want to talk about. It's like therapy. Like, you're not going to, you can't just look cute and be like, I had a great day. And that's the only one I want to talk to you. Like, you got to be raw. Like, you know, today was shit. (laughs) 
I gotta tell you about it. I fucked up, you know, like I did something I regret and I have to be honest about that. And that was kind of how I had to approach my book, which is difficult, but it's the only way the story can be told, you know? So that's why I decided to tell it. Cause I knew it could heal in those ways and people could relate in those ways that were important. And like, I had something to contribute to the literary canon. This was my story that hadn't been told yet, you know? Yeah. How, um, I'm really intrigued when you say, that it was a healing process for you because I often find that writing is healing, like just journaling even in your everyday mm-hmm. life. So what, how was it healing for you? Was it just like unpacking things, just putting it out into the world and being like, this is me, like raw, unfiltered, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean on the latter part of what you said, I hadn't even thought about it that way, but I think that could be healing to me indirectly in ways I haven't really like processed or realized yet, but it was healing in a way of just be allowing myself to be honest and to trust that my honesty was a valid experience. Like, I feel like most of my life, like my love language is plural, but I have two words of affirmation, quality time. Words of affirmation has a lot to do with being validated for me, which is something I hate because as a black woman, no one's going to validate you, you know? And so it's hard to crave that. Um, But I feel like my community can validate me, you know? And I'm talking about a black femme experience. I'm talking about things that we deal with that when I tell a white man, he's not going to understand, you know? But when I say it and when we read it, like, y'all are going to understand what I'm talking about. And I just needed someone to hear me, you know, not only that, because I actually didn't care about, I didn't care about how many people read it. What I cared about is that the people who needed to read it. And I think that's healing for me. I think it's that like one of my, what actually brings me joy, which I've only realized in the past like few weeks, especially since that workshop. um, I love building community. I love getting people together. I like manifesting joy together. I like bonding. I like um, like creating like familial vibes. You know what I'm saying? Like I like connecting with people and exposing them to new things. Like that's my joy. And that has nothing to do directly with writing, but I can find ways to do that through writing. I like workshops, mm-hmm. for example, which I definitely want to do more of. Um, but yeah, knowing that's my joy, I think that's why my book felt as good as it did, even though writing's not like writing in itself isn't the joyous part for me I think it's because I'm like wow someone's gonna read this and they're gonna snap to it they're gonna cry to it the amount of emails I got from people I don't even know who sent me like essays like girl this is what this meant to me or even how like I put dates on every poem someone would be like oh my god like that was my birthday in 2017 and like I remember how I was feeling that day and like you felt that on that day with me and that's so special you know like that's something that like, how do you, yeah. even right now talking about it, like, I want to crack is like, that's amazing. Like, that's amazing. You know, and I don't even know these people. Sometimes I do. Most of them I do. But like, especially the strangers, that's so special. Cause I'm like, wow, like I'm connecting with this person I've never met because of something that has my name on it. Like, and that is why I would, I did it and why I would do it again, you know? Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's so amazing. And I, I feel like it speaks to like art and creation as a whole, like mm-hmm. as a mechanism for bringing people together and creating yes. those kinds of communities. Because I really felt that during that workshop where mm-hmm. I 
I don't know. It was really, it was nice to talk about the things we were talking about and also feel like I was like bouncing off, like not my ideas, but my experiences off of other people and being like, mm-hmm. oh, like you are going through this too, or you feel this too. Right. That's really important. I think it's so important. And I think like, obviously social media helps connect people in that way. We're like, I don't know. I just always, my favorite feeling about like Twitter or like social media in general is seeing someone be like that moment when, and it's a moment you thought no one else experienced, but it's, it has like a million likes. You're like, Oh shit. Like people feel this. <laughs> That's the best feeling. And it used to be so new to me when I first started seeing those things, like when I was new to social media. That's a really normal thing now. And I love it. I love even like thinking about like TikTok and like reels, right? Like just seeing people be weird in ways that I don't think like, it's just me <laughs> and just being stupid on the internet. Like, I love that because that's something I like bringing people together in ways that they're not comfortable. You know what I'm saying? Things that are taboo, not talked about. Black women don't talk about, you know, at their workplace. Like, you know, like I was really nervous when Samantha told me, is that your hair? Like, I didn't know how to respond. Like, we don't like it's talked about, but not it's not comfortable. It's not something because yeah. comfortable means I could talk about it anywhere, anyhow, with any who, and it don't matter. I'm going to say what I have to say and I feel fine with that. And that's not where we are. So we get together. I think that's why it's so precious because it's like, I'm allowed here. I'm given this freedom here. And it is a sort of freedom in a way that white people already have. <laughs> I don't think there's really much white people, unless they're Trump supporters, they don't talk about that shit in public. But mm-hmm. besides that, there's not experiences white people have that they feel like they have to hide from the world, you know, like, and we're thinking about the least marginalized, like white, like men, like Christian, like their experiences, like dealing with their hair. That's not something maybe for women, it's taboo to talk about like your sexual pleasures or like experiences or just like anything like that. But that's a margin like women, but for men, like men talk about that with their friends all the time, like from young, it's normal and it's healthy. You know what I'm saying? So like things like, from the more marginalized you are, the more taboo it is to talk about your experiences. And so when you're given that space to, which happens often through art and some sort of creativity, I mean, even if you think about it, I mentioned TikTok reels, right? Like that's not STEM. That's people putting on music to something or creating in some sort of way for the sake of comedy or for the sake of just entertainment or conversation or just joy. Like that's creativity. That's art, you know? And I think art, uniquely has the power to do that in a way that no no other medium can you know so I don't know if I answered the question no you totally did and more (laughs) yeah awesome okay next is um if you know I mean I'm sure you do are you you're a third year yeah you're a third year yeah um what is the poetry scene like on campus I only know of one club in Tarabang poets yeah. and I know you're a, you were a part of it so if yeah, you could tell I'm me about that possibly a part of it their meetings fall the same time as another e-board I'm on unfortunately um but I'm gonna try to pop out at least twice this semester we'll see but yeah I was on the e-board last year what I love about so that's also the only poetry scene I know on campus in Boston it's a different conversation but on campus it's really in Terabang that's what I see um it's what I love about it is it's predominantly black Mm -hmm. and it's not a BSO like 
the, the BSOs, as in Black Student Organizations, for anyone who doesn't know, um, they're meant to be Black, you know, Black student orgs. But in Terabang Poets, they're not associated exclusively with the Black community. But I remember my first time going to um, a Cupsy competition they were having, like, for semifinals or whatever. I was just watching these beautiful Black women and people perform, and men, but mostly women and people. Um, and I was just like, we exist? We out here? Like, what's up? Like, I didn't know y'all were here. I didn't know y'all were about it. You know what I'm saying? Because I was crazy like, coming to Boston. And another thing is, like, a lot of open mic scenes, well, the white ones at least, they are always 21 plus at bars, you know what I'm saying? And also, mm-hmm. I may be a poet, and I know white people do poetry too, but I'm not going to go to an all-white bar and talk about my Black woman experience and then get off the stage and sit comfortably. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need a Black space to do that and to feel okay doing it and to actually, for it to heal me. Like, that's why I do this. Because when I perform, like, that's such a vulnerable space. I have to put myself in that uncomfortable position for the that healing work to be done. And I can't heal if I'm uncomfortable and I'm not willing to do it in a white space. That's not healing to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was really comforting that like the one poetry club on campus, at least there's some color in there, a little sprinkle, a little, you know, something like I just couldn't do an all white poetry club. And what I love is a lot of the poets in there also talk about um, their marginalized experiences. I feel like that's mm-hmm. most of poetry. Like if they're not black, they're brown. If they're not brown or black, they're queer or they're women, you know, or they're trans or something. They're, everyone's marginalized in that club. And I, mwah, I love it. You know, like, it's just so special to me. Um, but yeah, just a plug for the club. They meet on, actually, I want to look up their Instagram. I don't know. We can plug it somewhere. But it's like in Terabang Poets, NEU, something real simple. Um, and they meet on Thursdays, I think, at 6 or 7 p.m. And yeah. really fun. Like, if you like that workshop that I did, like, they do workshops, like, every week. Um, and actually inspired like the formatting for mine because I was on the e-board so I helped plan stuff so that's how I knew how to like set up a workshop um and you learn a lot of different types of poems you write together it's a very safe comforting space um of people who are marginalized not just you know people who aren't marginalized who are like I'm an ally we're here like no they're actually marginalized you know um but yeah it's a great club to be in and I think if there's gonna be just one space at least it it's like that um not toxic at all. They're real cool people. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's in Terabang. Um, but in Boston, there's more. I don't want to go too much in detail about the kind of question, but for people who are interested, DAP, Dorchester Art Project, pop up. I don't know what they're doing in quarantine um, and COVID, but I know before then, it was really cool to just go and watch Black people perform. Um, there is this place in JP that does like open mics. Now you have to be clean like as far as like language in your poetry which I don't go there often because <laughs> I'm not that but they do have spaces provided where they'll do like open mics for the community in JP I think it's JP NDC or JP NRC is the mm-hmm. acronym something like that um there's also yeah there's some spaces but DAP is the one that's more, most accessible that I really highly recommend and mm-hmm. just follow black creatives support them and you're gonna find them reposting things and you'll find out about it don't want to show up to black spaces but you don't support black people like that's how you'll find out you know so yep. plug to all the black creatives go follow us we're great um but yeah mm-hmm. awesome thank you <laughs> Um, okay, so I think we already touched on this a little bit, but my next 
Um, question is just what role does creating play in your life and specifically in your personal journey, your activism mm -hmm. and this concept of doing the work on an mm -hmm. individual level and how doing the work and healing is activism and is like pushing the needle forward. Yeah, I think, and we did talk about this, but there's definitely more to elaborate on. I think that what I'm realizing is I like to heal. Cause like I said, my creativity is for the purpose of healing and that is an individual experience, but that's also my purpose in doing it for the world. Like whoever encounters my work I want them to digest it in a way that uplifts them. You know what I'm saying? Um, even if it's a sore topic, even if it's sensitive, like I want them to be able to reflect on it in a way that helps them grow um, and heal. And I realize I can't constrict myself in how I create. So that can mean like the type of mediums I use. So now like I'm getting into painting a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not the best at it, but I've also stopped thinking that I can only create things in like in mediums I'm good at because that's very capitalistic to think oh like I shouldn't create something if it's not profitable no if I can't draw a circle circular that's fine I'm gonna do it anyway yeah mm -hmm. if I enjoy it perfect it did the job it needs to do you know what I'm saying like and that's what it is um I've started workshops which is like implicitly creative I'm talking about my creativity um but I think workshops are my favorite medium of like of like creative expression and just like building bonds and community um with marginalized people i think i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to make sure i'm answering your question directly because i, I yeah. can see myself going in a little spurt. no it's okay and you can um, take your time and just think about it i know like sometimes like when somebody asks a question there's not time given to like think about it a little bit and gather mm. your thoughts yeah you're right let me do that too mm -hmm. <laughs> um work on the end of it what does it mean to do the work to do the work there he is oh, there I am I'm back on track um is one I think the point I was trying to make is I'm giving myself that freedom to do the work in the way I feel like it's most appropriate for it to be done which is why something I talk about I don't know if I talked about this in the workshop but I even had to sit with my book for a little bit and I was like you know I know I do poetry but everything's not poetic and some people think that's true. Some people can do that. For me, that feels like glorifying certain topics a little bit. And if I genuinely can, I'm not going to force myself. I have a poem in my book called Words on, or it's a stoem. I'll explain what that means. But it's called Words on What Womanhood Is. And that was my testimony to grappling with that, with the idea of what gender really means. And like, what does it mean that I am a woman? And me not understanding that for so long and how oppressive it was that I didn't understand that. And then I call it a, sto a stoem because it starts as like a story slash prose and it bleeds into a poem. And I finally feel like I could get there. But there were certain things that I just needed to like, period, end of sentence, I needed to just explain. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't try to make it rhyme or cute or let's have this flow. No, I just need to say these sentences because this isn't a pretty topic. This is me calling myself out because that's important. And seeing what where I have to go and I have to learn. And I think the biggest the biggest part of doing the work as an artist is being able to hold yourself accountable to critique, be it artistically, be it morally, you know, ethically, like even down to like, are you giving credit to your inspirations? You know, like that's something that you need to as an artist or 
going to be respected and you need to know how to do that. Um, as an artist who wants to do the work of benefiting people in some other way, I'll keep it vague because benefit in whatever way, maybe it makes them think, maybe it heals them, maybe it makes them laugh, whatever, but it benefits society. Like if your work isn't integral, it won't have the ability to do that. So doing the work means being able to just look at your art and figure out what changes you need to make or what consistencies you need to keep for it to do that work for you personally on that individual level, but mm-hmm. also for the world, you know? Um, what was the question you asked after? There was like a follow question, like, or maybe it was oh, before. I think doing the work as an individual. Um, I think maybe just asking um, how is healing also activism, but mm. also wanting to talk about, um, I know a lot of Black Lives Matter has been um, about getting white people on board and educating white people and call not calling out, hopefully calling in white people. But mm-hmm. I feel like um, the movement has not addressed the work that needs to be done within the Black community and on the individual mm-hmm. level, like things that we have ine- inevitably like internalized, like racism, mm-hmm. colorism, texturism, right. and doing that work to better yourself because it's not, it's all of us. It affects all of us. You know, how could it not? Yeah, I think so. Actually, yes. Um, I think healing aligns with activism and what I was talking about earlier with me having to be honest, honest about my insecurities, honest about the things I don't fuck with, with black culture, honest about the things I don't fuck with about society. You know what I'm saying? Like I have to just be honest and understand that I'm going to say it and I have to be prepared that not everyone's going to like it. If you make your art for everyone's to like, you won't create, you know what I'm saying? Like you won't, nothing will, you will have a blank canvas and no one's going to like that either. So you can't do it for other people. I mean, yes, we're doing it for other people, but you got to stay integral to you. You know what I'm saying? And integrity for me meant honesty. I have, I separate my book into like seven sections. Well, two sections, but like, no, two parts but seven sections. And in one of the sections, like I start each section with like a tear set. And one of my sections, it's like, um, sorry, you can't, wait, why don't I remember this? <laughs> I should get my book. Wait, this is going to be edited. Go ahead, so go ahead. Because I actually want to like read this verbatim. So this line, like it resonates with me every day. There's a couple of them that resonate with me every day. But like, and I wrote it and it still sticks with me, which is crazy. But yeah, one of my hair sets, I have to work for her. You said it it sticks with you every day? Like the video or no? No, not really. Okay, so I'm going to just look at it. But you said it it sticks with you every day? Yeah, what I said. Like, I really do think about that. I'm just like, damn, like I really said that. And that's rough, but it's true. And white women have read my book. That's the crazy part. I'm just like, oof, like. I guess <laughs> it is what it is, but I couldn't, oh, this is the one. So what I put two test sets at the beginning of this section. The first one is, I wish I could make you happy. Like that white girl whose hair you can, whose hair you can run your hands through when you fuck her. And that's the tear set. That's it. Um, putting that in my book, girl, <laughs> I really had to sit with that one for a minute. Even, I have another one. You know the poetry book, The Sun and Her Flowers? 
Um, do you, I mean, do you, yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. Oh, it's by like Rupi Kaur. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Um, yeah, so one of my tear sets in another section is I'm worried I'll never be successful like the sun and her flower. Why would they see black art when there is colorless poetry to fall in love with? That was also something where I'm like, should I put that in my book? Because I'm yeah. not trying to get sued, you know? <laughs> so I'm just like, but I can't tell this story without like, some, I remember in, I did something with the LSCC because I'm Latina as well. Um, I, I used to work with them. So they're like, oh, let me see you in the book. It's HHM, Hispanic Heritage Month. Like, we want to feature you as a black creative, but also as a Latina, Latinx creative. Um, and I remember, why was I mentioning the LCC? Because it just, I had a point in mentioning them. I don't remember. Oh my goodness. What were we just talking about? Um, that you had to say it, that you were kind of scared that you were putting it in your book. Yeah, what was my point? It was something that happened during that talk, and I forgot what it was. Uh-huh. It's fine. Let's Anyway, but yeah, there's just certain things that I'm just like, I'm really publishing that for the world to see, and they're not going to like me when I say it. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of Instagram poets who are big fans of some of her flowers, but they have to acknowledge it's about romanticizing love. It's not about real shit. And people don't want to read about real shit all the time. And that's fine, but I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to acknowledge that you don't. I'm going to be honest because that's a real thought I'm having. Oh, I remember why I mentioned LCC because Sarah, which is the interim director of the LCC, um, she asked me, she's like, is there anything that you'd want to like? take out of the book if you had a second chance to like add in like a poem or a line or whatever like is there anything you thought about I was like honestly I did think about that and there is literally not one thing that I'd want to add in or take out because the story would literally be incomplete any one line any word no there's one word I have one type of my book don't tell I'm literally saying this on a radio show but yeah I have one and my mom found it (laughs) It's funny. <laughs> um, it's, it's whatever. It's published. I was 19. That's why I did it young, because then they'll forgive me, you know. But <laughs> maybe that's the one thing. But other than that, there is literally not one thing I can take out because this wouldn't have done the work it needed to do. And yeah. that's crazy to say, but I promise you, I spent months reading this over and over and over and debating on every word by myself because I tried to hire an editor. I t- I hired two editors and they both messed up. So I had to do it myself. Like, and I, but that gave me the opportunity to really read what the fuck I wrote. And I was like, how do I feel like, do I need to say this? And then I put it in there because I agreed. Yes. Yeah. I need to say this word, literally every word I'm telling you. And I know it sounds like I'm not being serious. Every single, oh, I believe word, you. Every punctuation. I went through this book and I was like, should I put a period? Should I not put a period? Cause I don't use punctuation a lot, but like, okay, I don't want to be grammatically incorrect, but like, how is this cadence? Like, how would I actually say it if I was doing a spoken word poem? Because most of this is like spoken word style. I'm telling you everything. I thought about it. And there's not one thing I can take out, not one thing I can add in. It wouldn't belong in this book. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I mentioned that to say, like, we're talking about healing work, right? Like, honesty. I have to be honest. Yeah. And, you know, well, like I said, white women have read my book and they've appreciated it. And they just respected my honesty. I'm sure there's maybe some white women who haven't. And that's fine. That's the world. Not everyone's going to like what you have to say. You know, at least I'm giving myself the platform, giving myself that seat at the table to say it for all the black women who agree with me, but wouldn't fucking say it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to be her. Mm -hmm. Because I know black women agree with me, but that's whatever. Um, 
Yeah. Which is why I wrote it for us. And that's why I feel because I'm saying things, it's those things on the internet that like, you're like, I'm gonna like that, but I'm gonna not repost it on my story. Cause that's embarrassing, but that's fucking true. So I'm gonna like it. That's my book. That's my book. That's what I say. You know what I'm saying? And I love that. I want to be that person. Um, I'm not on social media on here, but there's also ways where it's not funny. It's just sad, but it's true. And I have to put that in there too, because that's what does the healing work. There's a poem, yeah. which is my personal favorite poem in here. Um, I don't know why it's my favorite, but it is. Um, I do know, but I don't know if I could like articulate it, I guess. Like it just sits well with me, but that's not mm -hmm. a good explanation. <laughs> but I talked about, um, I don't know how to summarize it without going through the whole poem. I don't need to go through the whole poem, but it's basically talking about like, there's a line, like I'll read, cause, oh, my two sections are called one, give me back this body. And then the second part, part two of the book is called all I know is the skin and this is the poem that that line came from and it's or that ending of I'm talking too fast I'm sorry so like, <laughs> the ending of that poem goes all I know is this body all I know is the skin before the world began there was only darkness all I know is that I am the beginning but I've been told that darkness has no place in heaven. I'm historic, but I'm not holy. And I still struggle to see God in me, right? So I have that little section. And I don't know why I think of it, but that's something that I do think about at least once a week. Because that's like, what's also crazy. And this is how I know my poetry is healing. Not to other people. Well, I hope to other people, but definitely to me. Because my poetry is literally prophetic. Like, I'd be predicting shit. Like, it's crazy. Like, feelings I'll feel months from now, it's probably in this book. Mm. It's my Bible. Like, and that sounds so vain to say. And I don't mean it on like a, I'm trying to yeah. have a God complex. I'm just saying that in a way where it's like, like my higher self is here. No, I, in ways yeah. that I didn't even know. Like, even like, I'm, I'm, I don't want to say recently single, because I feel like it's been a while for me. But this year, I'm, I was single or I was in a relationship and then single, right? And there's like two poems in this book that talk about that relationship. Not like name calling or anything, but just like the sentiment of being in love as a black woman. Cause that's a part of my black femme experience, you know? Um, and I talk about it and I go back and I'm just like, damn, that's how I feel right now. And I predicted it. I predicted it. I have a poem called Moment Graphic Memory. If you read it, girl, you're going to be like, oh shit. Like, I predicted it. Like, that's crazy. And that's so special. It makes me feel like a witch a little bit. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, I just have, like, powers, you know? No. Um, yeah. And I think creation is a superpower. Like, low-key, high-key. Like, that's a superpower. No, like I said, not everyone can do what I do. They're literally not capable. And that's not me saying that I'm better. Other people have other skills I can't do. I can't choreograph. Mm -hmm. I'm not too left-footed. I could dance, but I'm... I can't choreograph and do things the way chore choreographers do. It's a, it's an art medium I really appreciate that I have so much, I just can't. And that's their superpower. You know what I'm saying? Everyone has their own. And I think what I appreciate about this book in hindsight as well, which I think is part of the healing process, is it makes me appreciate my writing more. It's mm -hmm. the fact that I can sit down before bed and be like, I want to read and read my own damn book. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's amazing I can read it and actually does something like, it's actually entertaining yeah. and even having written it myself and read it multiple times there's always a poem I can come back to and I still will sit with it and be like yeah you know like mm -hmm. damn like 
she's really saying something. Like, me talking about myself in third person. <laughs> I just, yeah. yeah. That I was think- a lot. But I hope my message was clear in that healing in the work I do and healing aligning with activism means being honest about my Black experience and understanding that it's not everyone's and understanding that the world might not understand, but I'm going to say it anyway because that's that's my contribution. That's my artistic mm-hmm. contribution to this literary canon, to the reinsurgence of Black Lives Matter, to Black women and Black feminine aligning people, you know what I'm saying, to our story, to our worth, like that is my contribution. And that, however, comes out as perfect, you know, and you just have to know that. And I think that that's a lot of work to be done in itself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I thank you for that, honestly. Okay, so now moving on to um, art in the context of Black Lives Matter, like in general, mm-hmm. as the movement. Yeah. So I want to talk about how so in the early months of like the resurgence like may i mean april may um we were seeing a lot of trauma and pain Mm -hmm. circulating on social media but not a lot of joy and i personally like follow like black influencers and like creatives and i like they were the ones who were talking about like I'm big on this idea of self-preservation and doing what you need to do for yourself in that moment. And I felt like no one was talking about um, like how to find joy and be joyful during that time. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to talk to you about that and how, how art is a means of doing that and how important black joy is yeah. and how important it is to showcase that and not only talk about suffering and pain and trauma. Yeah. Um, so, wait, let me just sit on your question. I'm going to remember it. It's just that I feel like I was about to feel myself deviate <laughs> from jump. Um, how do I be concise? Okay. I think my, okay, this is my thesis, the big part of the question I want to answer, and then I'll go into detail. I think Black people in times of Black suffering feel guilty about being joyful. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, creating which I think is synonymous to art right like just creation in general does bring a lot of joy inwardly like to the artist and the creator but also outwardly to the community that they're creating for um and I think we stop creating because we feel like no like we all have to acknowledge this is horrible a black person just died undeservedly because they were murdered by a white person with a shit ton of privilege. So I shouldn't be happy. And I think we have a lot of trouble separating like grief from like still grief from guilt, grief from guilt. We have a lot of trouble separating grief from guilt. I can be very upset and sad and traumatized about Tony McDade dying, this black trans man who was targeted, especially knowing that, I don't know the stats for black trans men, but I know for black and brown trans women, their life expectancy is literally 38 years old. Like sit with that. I just want you to really think about that. Like I'm 20. 
half my life is over. Imagine knowing that. Imagine if I was a black trans girl and I was 20 and I saw that statistic and I know my life is halfway over. I'm 20 living a 45 year old experience kind of stress. You know what I'm saying? Like that is, I don't really, I don't have the vocabulary to describe how I feel about that. It just hurts. So I think about that and I think about like, yes, I can be sad, but how do I differentiate that from my guilt? And I think also we have to think about, right, that black is a margin, but black does not align with every margin. So I can be black, but I can still be financially privileged. I can be black, but I can be cis, you know? And I think as black people, we look at our privileges, like maybe I'm in an environment where I'm safer, you know? Now all black people, we're going to compare to the rest of like races, we're the least safe, no matter what your other privileges are. But maybe I'm in an environment where I can feel more safe in that way. And that does have, maybe my skin is lighter. Maybe I'm white passing, you know, maybe, um, maybe I speak English so I can actually communicate and defend myself. We have these privileges, right. That make us feel like we should feel guilty when something bad happens to other black people, like it's our fault. And that is internalized trauma. That is, um, PTSD, like post-traumatic, like slave disorder type of PTSD, not just like, um, stress you know the one with like because there's ptsd with stress and then some people insert like slavery mm, in there I had no idea. that's what i'm talking about like that mm. comes from our historic experiences of like feeling guilty um like certain things are our responsibility it shouldn't be my responsibility to have to um make sure my brother right i have a 12 year old black boy brother is safe when he leaves my site, when he's not, and it's not like he's what's supposed to be himself. When he's at school, it shouldn't be my responsibility to make sure he doesn't die. You know what I'm saying? Like that shouldn't be on me as a person who's also in school doing my thing. Shouldn't be on the parents. Like I feed you, I take care of you, I house you. But when you're at school, I should be able to trust that like they're gonna make sure you don't die. You know what I'm saying? And we can't do that as black people. We have no peace in that context. And I think that's a very stressful experience that sometimes we confuse with guilt when bad things happen, even when we weren't the ones who caused them. And so now talking about creativity and art in that time, um, some people also find it hard to create explicitly around suffering. Like, for example, maybe I can talk about my Black femme experience, some things that are great and amazing about it, some things that are sad about it. But usually when I'm talking about it, it's not in reaction to a traumatic thing. It's just because of my, you know, everyday experience. So for me, for example, like, especially with Breonna Taylor, because that's my intersection. We're all Black, but sometimes I'd be real, really disconnecting with Black men, talking about Black Lives Matter, but they're only marching for Black men, Black cis straight men. You know what I'm saying? So I don't, I'm a girl for Black women and Black trans people right now. So specifically, Breonna Taylor, I felt like, you know, I should write a poem about this. And I couldn't. Like, and I was doing YouTube videos at the time. Um, and I was like, I should make a YouTube video talking about this. And I couldn't because I think we also, oh, that's a, well, let me finish my sentence and I'll jump onto that point. I couldn't because 
I feel like I wouldn't do the topic justice. But what what's the problem about that is now art and creation becomes like performative. Like we feel like if we're gonna create, it has to be a beautiful painting with mm-hmm. flowers in the background of Brianna Taylor. You know what I'm saying? It has to look great so it can go more on social media. It has to be detailed, it has to be precise, it has to be accurate, it has to include style. What if that's not my style of writing? What if I write haikus, bro? Like, what if I, you know, like, what if that doesn't like what I write about? But I'm a Black person, I do care. And because people know I'm an artist, they're like, well, use your talents. Use your talents as activism. It's like, but I, I don't know how to. I feel like it becomes that creative block. You know, people are like, oh, you have writer's block. That is my writer's block. Trauma. And that's natural, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like because... It may not even be that I'm having writer's block. Maybe I wanted to write another poem, but because this happened, now I feel like I can't write unless I'm writing about this. And if I can't write about that, then I'm going to shut up. Like, I'm not going to say anything. And that's what happens in that time. And I think that's where we dismiss our own joy when it's not our responsibility to. White people can dismiss their joy. That can be their responsibility. They're the ones whose ancestors committed 400 years of murder and crime let them be guilty you know what i'm saying why am i feeling guilty like and not that i wish a shit ton of guilt on white people i'm just saying like if you were going to make this comparison like why the hell am i feeling guilty why am i preventing my joy even like that weird phase of like okay we put we posted all the important posts we put the little black square the resources on our page like because black people do that shit too right now it's like okay when can i post selfies again like, when can I post funny memes on my story? Like, when can I get back to my joy? It was almost like I needed permission, you know? Like, I feel like Black people need permission to feel joy after trauma because black other we feel that other Black people are actually going to guilt us, you know what I'm saying? Like, because we're like, oh, we need to be strong as a community. We need to organize. And people would just be talking, like, it's the same people who are like, you need to do more than just do that two months later. You normal. You don't care. You know what I'm saying? Every black people, bro, that are performative as well. Like that's that's tea on the black community. But I'm just saying, like, we gotta just let ourselves be us and deal with things the way we I understand that everyone's not gonna have the same response. Maybe my response is no, a lot of comedians are gonna create comedy, you know what I'm saying? That are still like it's it could be like Imagine being racist in 2020, LMAO. You know what I'm saying? Where it's going to be like a funny sentence, like that sentence that gives you comedy, that gives you humor, but it's still talking about something serious. Maybe that's someone's way of expressing it. Maybe it's silence. Maybe I'm logging off Instagram. I won't be back for a while. Maybe it's creation back to back of like graphic designs of all the people who have um, passed away. Like I know there was one artist who was doing like, He's like a hyper-realist artist and however old the person was who was murdered, the black person, he would spend that many hours drawing them and wherever he finished at that many hours is what he posted, mm-hmm. which is great conceptually, but that's fucking depressing. Like, I can't do that every day. You know what I'm saying? After a while, I'm going to die. Like, I, I, like, of my own depression, like, I won't be able to create. Like, and I think I'm going on so many tangents here. I'm sorry. I just got to <laughs> gotta step back. Um, I don't know, I just have so many thoughts about it. And honestly, it's kind of unorganized because I haven't really had this conversation explicitly, like, especially centering art. Like, I've had this conversation about Black joy, but not, like, with art. But I think this is an important conversation to have, and there's just so much to be said about it. 
And it's so disappointing and it's so gatekeepy, you know, about like who can create and when you can create and why you should yeah. be creating, which yeah. is not how the how creativity works. And we all forget that when something traumatic happens and that's frustrating and it does the opposite of heal mm-hmm. healing. It does the opposite of yeah. healing. Right. So I was just trying to make sure that was grammatically correct. <laughs> um I think yeah. centering black joy is in a way combating this policing of how you should mourn and how you should grieve and what you should post and Mm -hmm. just how you should process all of this. And I feel like prioritizing joy is letting loose of that and doing whatever you feel you want to do and you feel is good for your mental health and is good for you, like your like well-being and your, I don't know, yeah. I'm, Something I'm, I debate with that though was like this me, me, me mentality is yeah. such a capitalist experience that most people shame when we think about like the collective well being, right? And that's why I feel like we feel guilty. It's like, well, everybody's not happy right now. So I shouldn't be happy right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, okay, I can say like I want to be joyful, but it's also this obligation and responsibility you have to your community. Mm-hmm. So being like, no, I stand with you and I want you to know that and that I haven't forgotten and that life doesn't just move on. Yeah. So I still like, I'm not like giving an answer really yeah. right I mean, now. I I'm feel just like giving some ideas. There is no answer and yeah. the answer is different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think it is, I don't know. I think I my next question was about like, joy as a form of resistance because I feel like it's not just about personal healing and personal well-being I feel like it is also um like a protest to Mm. be like I am joyful and I am like living trying to live my best life and trying to um thrive and flourish and like do what I want to do and Mm -hmm. or be there for my community in the face of all this trauma and all this publicized trauma for one yeah yeah um i 100% agree i think it is a form of protest or at least it can be but i think i also want to distinguish between the definition of like joy and like momentary happiness or like actions that make you happy in Mm -hmm. a given moment i think we use the term joy very loosely and like just someone like dancing in a video me having a good day and dancing on a video is not joy to me. Joy is something that's like, think of like weather versus like climate, right? Like that's how I distinguish like happy versus joy. Like Interesting. this is a longevity type of thing. This is like a peace in me that has to do with a good feeling. Like that's what I think of joy. Whereas happy can be very momentary. Mm-hmm. I feel more guilt about being happy than I do about being joyful. I don't think you have to be happy every moment to be a to be experiencing joy actively, you know what I'm saying? Um, And I think, I think joy is the bigger activism. No, maybe I mean that the opposite way. I think happiness is actually, I think happiness is the bigger protest because maybe joy is not like I'm showing that I'm celebrating something or that I'm smiling. Maybe joy is, I want to lay down. I want to watch old, school movie i want to watch sisterhood of the traveling fucking pants that's what i want to do tonight you know what i'm saying and i am joyful and this brings me joy just having time to myself and a cup of hot chocolate or a candle burning of lavender whatever you know what i'm saying 
Um, and that gives me joy. This is a joyful experience. That's not, when I think of that scene, I don't think happy, you know what I'm saying? But I do think joy. Um, now I think happy in the face of people who want us to be oppressed um, financially, socially, politically, emotionally, keyword, right? I think happiness is a protest. Um, but I think when it comes to joy, I don't even want people to do it as a response to something negative that's happening. I want people to just mm. be joyful, separate experience. And then this happens, doesn't disrupt my joy. This happens and I still have joy. But I also want to take this time to be happy if, even in spite of this, right? So like, do you understand I'm differentiating the words here? Like, yeah. and why I'm placing them like that. This is what I see as a healthy thing. I don't think it's healthy to try to feign joy. Feign, feign, fake it. Yeah, feign joy for the sake of protest because that's not actually joy. That's not how joy works. You know what I'm saying? And I think, I don't know if we as a community agree on that definition. I'm not going to say I understand that definition because my definition is a law. But that's just how I see it and how I distinguish it. And I think it's really important that, yeah, like you can be happy sometimes, but you can also just not be happy sometimes because that's happening. I can be like, I'm very reflective today. And maybe I just need to take a warm bath and think and listen to like lo-fi. I don't know, whenever yeah. people do these days. And that's not giving me happy, but I can still like, this is to nourish my joy. Mm -hmm. That's still important. And that should never be a variable to any situation. Your joy should not waver. You know what I'm saying? Actually, let me get my journal because I recently started journaling. Ironically, for someone who's an author, I do not journal. But I made some mistakes this weekend. <laughs> and I need to talk about and my therapy appointment is not till next week because it's only bi-weekly. So I was like, you know what, girl, you're gonna get a journal. So during my lunch break, I went to CBS and I got a journal that said I can and I will. It's not the prettiest colors, but I like that statement because it's about intention. And intention is my biggest mantra. Like this at this time Same. in my life, not gonna say this year, but Same. like do everything with intention. In Solange's album, her interlude, I forgot what that like piece is called, but one of the interludes, and I think a seat at the table was do everything with intention, do everything with intention. And that was the whole interlude, just that line on repeat. And I don't think about that every day before, because that album came out a while ago. But recently, I think about that, like, like hourly, besides sleeping. It's probably even in my dreams, to be quite honest with you, because it's such a re-cycling like, thought in my head. Like, because I want to make sure I'm being intentional with everything that I do, with writing, with creating, with breathing, with how yeah. I treat my body, with the words and the promises that I give to people, that I give to myself, you know, how I take care of me and what I'm putting inside my body. Like I want to do everything with intention because I value me and I respect me and I want to make sure I'm treating me the best way possible at all times. Like right now is really the time where I'm building this newfound relationship with myself that looks different than it did before because I'm investing more into me and that comes with being very intentful um also I like creativity which is why like I said recently I've been diving into new mediums um but speaking of doing everything with intention I'm journaling and even thinking about joy right especially black joy because I think black is a really important adjective to have there because black joy looks different than joy you know what I'm saying? Black joy takes more effort than joy. Like it's, a di there's different connotations when you put black before things like, and that's just always how it is. Being trans is different from being black and trans, being queer, being Muslim, being um, woman is different when you have put black before it. And that's just 
this, that's just what it means to be that margin. Like it's just really the lowest experience as far as society goes, as far as your individual experience doesn't have to be right. But as far as like ranks and just like people politics, like we deal with the worst shit. So to find black joy and find it in a way that is sustainable and not only a reaction to pain and suffering out of defiance or out of, you know, wanting to prove something, but just as something that is just this constant, in your life, this thing that's here consistently that you can actually rely on. If there's anything I can look forward to, it's my joy. You know, like I want to know that my joy will always be there for me when I need her. Like even personifying it that way to make a separate entity to know, like, no, this is someone I actually rely on. Like, that's how important I'm giving her pronouns. You know what I'm saying? Like my joy, like that's something that I need to be sustainable. I was talking about lunch election night. And just my weekend, I had a rough weekend. Um, not rough. I just, I made mistakes. I'll just say that. Mm. But yeah, I was writing about it, right? I'm trying to journal. I actually love journaling. Like that's another conversation you can have offline about like, I didn't, I just didn't put value into it. I didn't like, I was like, now people say it's good, but whatever. Um, that's true. Yeah, it's so good for you. But it's really like, it's healing. Like, I always felt like I can only talk to people. Like that's how I get things off my chest and like realize new things and like reflect, like I have to talk it out. But mm-hmm. this works. Like, it works. I didn't know that. <laughs> anyway, let's start journaling. And my mantra, I said, my mantra for this week will go something like this. My peace is my stability. The world will not waver my joy. My peace is my choice, and I choose peace. So that's my, I created that little mantra for this week. Um, but yeah, the what emphasis on the world will not waver my joy. Like, which is why even like thinking about like election, I'm not jolly about Trump winning. I'm not jolly, but I'm less depressed about Biden winning. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But either way, I have my joy. That's not going anywhere, no matter what happened when we actually find out. And will I be happy? Depending on who wins, there's going to be someone who wins with faith. I don't want to say when, whoever gets elected as president, um, one option may happen where it will definitely tank my happiness a little bit, but happiness is weather. You know, happiness varies and that's okay. That's normal. That's a human experience, but I'm not willing to sacrifice my joy for anybody. Um, mm-hmm. No matter what happens in the world, like all I have is my joy. Like that's literally all you have. You have you and your joy. Like if you really think about it and you like just break it down to the basics, like you're stuck yeah. in the desert. I feel like every parent gives that example. If you're stuck in the desert, <laughs> Something always starts with that. But yeah, if I'm stuck in the desert with nothing but like a bottle of water, all I have is me, my little sip of water, and my joy. Like, <laughs> that's what I want to have when I get there, you know? Um, yeah, no matter what's happening, I don't want anything away for that. Um, mm-hmm. So that's commentary on Black joy, even throughout um, Black people constantly being murdered. Um, I still deserve my joy. And not even deserve. I've earned it. I've worked for it. I've been a black person. Mm-hmm. I've worked for that shit. Like I've earned my joy, and that shouldn't be taken away. You know. Mm-hmm. And if creating is how I sustain my joy, then I'm gonna create, and I'm gonna be an artist, and I'm gonna post selfies, and I'm gonna post videos of me burning sage, and I'm gonna be joyous. You know. Yeah. And it is what it is. <laughs> Special thanks to Nisa for such an insightful conversation. I had a great time discussing her writing and the importance of black joy. 
I got a lot from our conversation, and I hope our listeners did too. This episode of WRBB's 360 Huntington was hosted by Blen Wendemu. This recording wouldn't be possible without the help of Caleb Dreisman, our podcast director, and Andrew Sendry, WRBB's general manager. This episode of 360 Huntington was mixed and edited by our audio engineers. Special thanks to WRBB leadership staff, Northeastern University, and Northeastern Student Activity Fee for funding this podcast. Our theme music is Horse Meat Burgers by Nick Robinson. Head to wrbbradio.org where you can find the latest episodes of all our podcasts, listen to our internet live stream, and read up on the latest music reviews. And make sure to follow us on all social media at WRBB Radio. Thanks for tuning in.